Welcome into episode 154 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, I'm just doing lovely. Uh, we got home from Rupp Arena late last night after Kentucky's overwhelming dominant victory over the Florida Gators. They went 78 to 57. I had radio this morning from 9 a.m. to noon. I was short on sleep, uh, so I decided to uh, take a quick little nap, catch back up before these the uh, um highly anticipated Super Bowl between the Cincinnati Bengals and LA Rams this evening. So I uh, wanted to make sure the fans got what they wanted and uh, got a, a sources say pod post game episode in between those two things, give uh, a little bit of pregame listening prior to the Super Bowl, give, um, you know, after Super Bowl, if, you know, the Bengals are celebrating and having a good time, give fans to listen to afterward, Monday morning, all that good stuff. But I uh, want to make sure we got one recorded before we got to Monday. So, Sean, lots to discuss with this win. Kentucky takes down the Gators 78-57. to 57. Uh, I think the thing we have to start with, Sean, is uh, Ty Ty's injury and how that kind of set the tone for everything else in the game, how we felt to close things out, our uh, optimism coming out of the game, our thoughts on, on Kentucky's chances against Tennessee down in Knoxville on Tuesday, all of those things kind of go hand in hand with, uh, with Ty Ty's availability. So Sean, with 12 minutes and 50 seconds to go, Ty Ty goes down with a left leg injury. It was, it appeared to be a knee injury at the time, but it's later been uh, confirmed as an ankle injury, which kind of shocked me. Um, and, uh, it, we got good news, Sean. I thought for the life of me, I thought there was a chance that things things went south. I was sick to my stomach as the game closed out. Uh, but it appears all is well in the world of Ty Ty Washington. He was officially announced as day-to-day. -day. Uh, Cal said he might be out a week or two. But goodness gracious, after seeing that live, I thought for certain that it, it would be much worse than it ended up being. So uh, first things first, thank goodness that's all it was. Yeah, you take a week or two. Because uh, there, there for a moment, I thought, man, is, is this going to derail Kentucky's chances of getting to a Final Four, winning a national championship? How many times have you heard me say it this year that this team is only good when they have all of its collective pieces? And, and you can say that for a lot of teams around college basketball or any sport, but it, it feels like that's even truer with this team because they all feed off of one another. And when he went down, his reaction, uh, the look on his face and photos – immediately going to the tunnel, not returning, the concern on the bench. I mean, you had assistant coaches looking at replays on iPads. You had the the end of the bench kind of looking towards the tunnel. It had that feeling of a moment there for about 10, 10 to 15 minutes in Rep Arena. I don't think anyone really cared about what was going on in the game. They only cared about let's get this thing over with, get Florida out of town, and find out what's going on with Ty Ty. But it, it certainly sounds like – Good news for sure on Cal's comments and stuff yesterday. You 
you would go from thinking that it was just a just a lower leg injury to he was going to amputate his leg to something just because <laughs> his comments were going all over the place how, how he usually does it. But at least we didn't get the well. I haven't seen him yet. I think that would have been a horrible call in the moment. You just can't with the panic and kind of anxiety and worry with the fan base. You couldn't in that situation do the, I haven't seen him. <laughs> like there was no room for, uh, you know, being facetious or joking or anything. They're just, that was a serious moment. Fans were on the edge of their seats waiting for that official update. Uh, and uh, thank goodness, I thought he did a, a very nice job. He said, yeah, I went he in did. and saw him. He was in great spirits. Um, he had an x-ray done, and and there wasn't anything. He was like, now there could be uh, a muscle issue or a you know, ligament, something like that. That you know, that hasn't popped up in the in the x-ray, but the x-ray didn't reveal anything of substance that had a, any of the team doctors worried or anything like that. So all was good in the official public word. And then I talked to, I, I reached out to a couple of people in Ty Ty's camp and uh, you know, they said, nah, he's in good spirits, nothing to worry about. No serious long-term issue. You know, they didn't want to obviously be too forward about what the injury was and, and the severity of it, when he would come back, any of that stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out in the coming days. And uh, as the dust settles a little bit more, but definitely no sign of any long-term significant issues that should make fans worry, Sean. Yeah. And fans, it, they weren't only concerned because they care about Ty Ty. The, the concern is there because they've seen this happen so many times, right? I mean, every time you start to feel good about a Kentucky team, especially in recent years, there's an injury. I mean, you had the PJ Washington and Reed Travis injuries back to back there. You had Jared Vanderbilt's injury kind of derail Kentucky's run into double tournament. There've been so many that I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter yesterday. A lot of people that know me personally going, man, I just, this can't be happening again. Like, no way. This team is so good. They're one of the four or five teams that you look at and kind of identify as a threat to win a national championship. This cannot derail their season. And you got a quiet rep arena there for, for a few minutes. And I think that everybody was instantly on their phones going, okay, what's going on? Good news, though. It, it certainly sounds like he will miss some time. We don't know how much, but he's it sounds like he's going to be there for that stretch run in the postseason and that's what's most important at this point yeah and we were talking on this show leading up to this game and kind of you know can they run run the table to close things out is this a team capable of you know just going through the whole rest of the season can they run the table completely you know go go win a title all those dreams and yeah that sounded good in the moment and at the time that that was very reasonable to ask because Kentucky had been playing its best basketball of the year and shoot it's still not out of the realm of possibility but I think the idea of Kentucky winning these last six games and and looking as strong as they have if Ty Ty's out for any you know it's not going to be the rest of the season or, or even several weeks but even if it's uh, you know, four or five, even six games the rest of the regular season, however long they decide uh, to do it, how long they want to, you know, keep them rested and, and cool down a little bit. Uh, however that is, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's, we should expect Kentucky to win out the rest of the regular season. And, and I think uh, that kind of, you know, kind of reshuffles the expectations a little bit to where I'm now looking at it and say, if they can end this year as a, as a strong two seed shoot, go be a one. I, I mean, they're, all the advanced numbers, they're uh, 
Still number three in the net, three in the Ken Palm, three in the BPI, four in the Sagarin rankings, uh, three in the T rank. All the ad- advanced numbers in, in the uh, Ken Palm, they're still number three with the number four offense and number 12 defense. So the numbers are still backing it up. that This team could still be a one seed, and they very well may. But uh, I just, I, I've now kind of took, taken a step back and said, okay, if Ty Ty is out for, say, four games or three games even, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky goes and loses one of those games. But if they, if they don't, Sean, I think that that would be the recipe for uh, clearly something special. If they're, if they're able to overcome this, and I mean, shoot, they did finish the game the last 12 minutes and, and push the lead at 21 points the most of the game. So it's not like they were just completely bent out of shape and, and awful after Ty Ty went out. So if they're able to adjust even with that, Sean, uh, I mean, I don't know how you can look at this team and not go, well, that that's this is a team clearly built to win a title. So um, my expectations have taken a little bit of a step back, at least in the immediate future, closing out the regular season, but nothing has changed in terms of long-term postseason expectations. No, I'm right there with you. I mean, it would if he misses the next, let's say he's out for the next two weeks, four to five games, there's, there's a trip to Arkansas in there, there's a trip to Tennessee, get games against LSU and Alabama. You could see them slipping up in one of those for sure. But the one thing that they're going to have an advantage in is when they have had guys out, as long as they've had time to prepare for those guys to be out, they've been okay. It's the injuries on the fly where things change. That's where they've struggled on the, on the fly at Auburn, on the fly at LSU. This game Tuesday night, I know we're going to talk a lot about that, primarily probably tomorrow on an episode. But I think that they're going to go to Knoxville and give themselves an opportunity to win even without Ty Ty. And, and here's why, like, there's an opportunity to really prove yourself, right? Tennessee undefeated at home. They have a home win against Arizona, a team that you're fighting for a one seed with. You go to Knoxville tomorrow night shorthanded or Tuesday night shorthanded, and you find a way to win that game, you probably can afford to lose one somewhere yeah. the rest of the way because the committee is going to look at you and say, all right, Kentucky has two losses when they're not at full strength in league play, but then they went to Knoxville and beat Tennessee, a team that was undefeated at home. Maybe I'm getting a little bit far ahead of myself, but it feels like an opportunity for this team to kind of go and make a statement, even when they're down a guy. Yeah, I definitely think that, and I maybe in terms of sheer numbers, this isn't the case, but in terms of just overall feel, I feel like this night, this Tuesday night matchup is going to decide the one seed. I do. I think that's going to decide if this Kentucky team is made of, uh, of that, if this is truly one of the four best teams in college basketball, I think that will be decided in this game uh, on Tuesday night at, at Tennessee. Again, like you said, this is a Tennessee that's now ranked number 10 in the latest Ken Palm. Uh, you said on the last show that they were in that 45, 50-ish range in, in the adjusted offense. They're now up to 30, and the defense is still very strong. Number six overall, they are playing really, really well. They have not lost at home yet. Their resume is very strong. Uh, I mean, it, Sean, it, the fans, go go look at that Tennessee resume. They are four and six in quad one wins, which is just a flip of what Kentucky is at six and four in those quad one wins, but they're five and zero in, in quad two games and they have no bad losses four and zero in, in quad three games and five and zero in quad four games. They, this is a team with a very strong schedule. They're beating the teams that they should beat They're uh, You know, they had the one slip up against Kentucky. That's clear. But, you know, they lost at LSU. That's not a bad loss. Lost at Alabama. Alabama is kind of one of those up and down. You don't never know what type of team they're going to get. But they only lost by five against them. Outside of that, they have a really, really strong resume. And I think that's 
Uh, this is a really good matchup, really strong uh, on both ends that that make you go. If, if Kentucky's able to shorthand it, I'm assuming that uh, – I mean, it would – I just don't know how – even if Ty Ty is healthy, quote-unquote, I don't know how you would risk that in that environment um, just because of how quick it, uh, of a turnaround it is. I personally wouldn't risk put throwing him out there. I think that Kentucky has enough pieces to overcome that. Uh, I think it'd be a good opportunity for Davion Mintz to kind of take over that role and and have more of a uh, you know playmaking and facilitating role. They asked him about about that after his game uh, against Florida. What could he do in that facilitating role? Kind of taking that step up in Ty Ty's spot. He said, "I'm ready for it. I would love for that opportunity. Give him." Uh, get his feet a little bit more wet until the uh, before the NCAA tournament, but uh, I think this is a, a huge test, Sean, against a very very good Tennessee team that is yet to lose uh, in Knoxville. Yeah, and Tennessee's resume. I'm sitting here looking at it as it stands. You know, you mentioned four and six against Quad One. All four of those wins are either at home or on a neutral floor, so that they've been hard to beat in those settings. Uh, missing a key road win, and they actually they're on their last really good road opportunity is at Arkansas on Saturday. So Tennessee still has Kentucky, Arkansas, and Auburn on the schedule. And then they have a home game against Arkansas as well. So there's there's room for them to improve. And I know I think Lenardi moved them into a four seed in this last update. So you could see Tennessee climb up to a, a three if they close strong. So the, the league is very good. But looking at Kentucky's resume, uh, five and four in quad one games, this is another opportunity for Kentucky on Tuesday night to, to continue building that resume and and seeing how this thing plays out. But we'll we'll see about Ty Ty Washington. I'm sure we'll get some news soon on an update on him. But but Kentucky has the guys, Jack, to to move forward here and lock in for a two to three game stretch and be like, okay, we have Davion Mintz coming off the bench for a reason. We have Hopefully, Jacob Toppin comes back. I think Jacob Toppin being able to go Tuesday night is very important to Kentucky's chances of winning that game because you just can't have any foul trouble one through three. You, you saw what happened yesterday when Xavier Wheeler went to the bench. It changed Kentucky's pace of play. And then you already have Ty Ty Washington down. You can't have any foul trouble at guard with Grady, Mintz, and Wheeler, especially if Toppin's out. If you do, I could honestly see Dante Allen maybe getting a few minutes here and there. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I have heard uh, that he's technically listed as questionable uh, in terms of of an official capacity, but I have heard that uh, there's a, a nice chance that Jacob Toppin does come back. He's he was. Uh, I think the whole idea was they wanted to boot him up, have him completely rested, not even risk taking on the uh, play in that Florida game. They really wanted to, to give him a strong opportunity to rest his his ankle. Uh, and I do think that uh, there's it's not a done deal. I think I'd probably put it at like an 80%, 75% chance, but I think he's working toward a return. Hey, and yeah, I, I, it, with his ver- versatility on defense, I definitely think that he would be a massive, massive addition uh, to, if he's able to return against uh, this ten- Tennessee team. And talking about Tennessee, their resume when you when you look at it and and their season, it's kind of a hard team to really project and know what you're going to get. Right? They've they've looked bad at times. They've looked great at times. Like that win against Arizona is one of the best wins in college basketball this year. But it was at home. Kentucky's win against Kansas, I think, is the best win in college basketball this year because it was a beatdown on the road. And we know that the net considers road victories better than home and neutral victories, obviously. And I just think that when, when you look at Tennessee, though, 
they don't have any bad losses. All six losses are in the quadrant one category. They played 10 quadrant one games. I think that the league, I was talking to someone this morning, Jack, about how good I think the league is. And I think some of these teams that are projected on that four, five, maybe even six line, you're going to look up and the SEC might have a matchup in the NCAA tournament where they're facing one another on the second weekend just because I think the league's that good this year. I think that they're beating up on one another, which is making what Kentucky and Auburn are doing impressive because I think the league has quality teams to have a lot in that final Sweet 16 Elite Eight rounds. I think you're going to look up and maybe four or five, six teams possibly advance in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think that you said, uh, I think it's going to help Tennessee and guys like that in the tournament because it's kind of a, uh, John Rossing, uh, what does he calls it cannibalism or whatever with the, you know, the high end conferences beating each other at the top and, and uh, the back and forth of, you know, you, you play a, a top 15 road team and then you go go home and take them on, you know, a couple games later. It's just a, a conference loaded with talent, and it's really going to pay off here in the next couple of weeks, especially when in the SEC tournament. A lot of these same teams are going to face off against each other again. Uh, so, I mean, that that definitely helps when in terms of, of just quality matchups, being able to take down lesser opponents in, in the NCAA tournament. I, I do think, I, I agree. I think that this team's going to get, this conference is going to get a lot of teams into that, into the NCAA tournament. And uh, it's, it's just going to prepare them for some of these matchups. And it's, it's uh, quite exciting. Very, very much looking forward to that, but let's um, we, we got to talk about the game itself. I know Ty Ty Washington yeah. is the, the name of the game and everybody wanted to know about that. And there, there, I mean, and it's worth it because there is a lot of, at stake with his health because he is, you know, one of the most crucial pieces on the team. But there's still a whole lot to like about this game, Sean, and, and plenty of pieces doing more than enough to push Kentucky over the edge. And you can't go any further uh, than than Oscar Sheboy at the top of that list. 27 points, 11 of 18, 19 rebounds, uh, three steals. I mean, the dude is a freak of nature. Jay, Jay Billis said on, on College Game Day, uh, that he is the runaway favorite for for national player of the year right now, and I don't know how you can look anywhere else in college basketball and pick anybody above him. I just think that that he is clearly far and away the most impactful player uh, for his team in terms of winning, in terms of you know defense, in terms of uh, you know on the glass. He he just makes an impact on so many different ways that I don't, I I think he's just a winning basketball player. Everything that he does contributes directly to winning. Uh, you know, he's shattering records by the game. He's now in the top 10 of the all-time single season rebounding list at Kentucky. And there's still potentially as many as freaking, you know, 13 games left, depending on how, how far they go in the tournament. There's just a lot to love about what Oscar Shibway is doing. And, and uh, just, again, tip of the cap to him and what he's able to do. This was a mat- matchup that a lot of people were curious to see how how well he would play against a guy like Colin Castleton, who was a heck of a player in his own right, very uh, impressed with what he was able to do, 18 points, 8 of 12 shooting, 7 rebounds. But uh, Kentucky is the best big in the SEC, and, I, and for my money, they have the best player in, in college basketball. The thing that makes Oscar so good to me is how you can look up and you can be like, all right, Oscar's quiet right now. He'll have a seven or eight minute stretch there at the start of games where he'll, you'll look up and he'll have two rebounds. He'll have two points. But you know how these great scores, how you, you limit them and you limit them. And the next thing you know, there's a turnover or they make a play and they hit back to back shots and then they get going. Oscar's that way on the glass. Yeah. Like he'll yeah. grab a rebound 
and then he'll get an offensive chance and, or he'll miss a shot, somebody will miss a shot, and the next thing you know, you're playing one more possession down the floor and he's added three rebounds to a stat sheet. And, and that happens, and it feels like in almost every game you'll look up and he'll go on a stretch for four minutes where he'll score seven or eight points and he'll grab five or six rebounds and then he's approaching a double-double in the first half. He's so dominant. The, the way that he does things, the way that he fights, uh, his energy, his enthusiasm, everything about him just screams National Player of the Year to me. It's going to be SEC Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, another game yesterday defensively with three steals. Just just incredible what he's doing. I think Walker Kessler is going to be probably the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, but Oscar's right there in consideration as well with what he does on that end of the floor. Look at the steal numbers. We talked about that last last week on the show the dude's steal numbers are, are unreal. He's averaging now 1.96 steals per game. That put him in the top 10 of the all-time steal list. He's going to be uh, in contention there for for you know at the at or near the top of those n- number lists as well. It's not just he might legit finish behind Rajon Rondo as second all-time. Is that not in single un- season? If they if they run to a national championship, he legit could finish second all-time. And then the, the difference is, I mean, you have Jared Prickett in the top 10, but the, the rest of those guys are guards that have played at UK in, in the steals category. And I, I know Nerlens Noel w- was stripped of his, of his uh, stats because he would have finished way up there on that list as well. But Oscar just impacts the game in so many ways. Even when he's not playing well offensively, he still makes an impact that will win the game for you. It could be on the glass. It could be with steals, uh, setting screens, his physicality, anything. Like he – to be great and to be worthy of those national players of the year, you find ways to make impacts even when you're not having your best game. But yesterday was another great game for him. But here's the thing about it. It's becoming the norm. It wasn't even his best game of the year. I mean, just an unbelievable talent that, that Kentucky has. And uh, the way that he kind of come back out there after the game for another 15 to 20 minutes and signed autographs, took pictures – he told us on Zoom that he said, I'm going to go back out here for 15 to 20 minutes and make sure I sign everything and and take pictures with all those little kids. And he kept his word. Like instantly, you see him come out of the tunnel. There's a huge line of people there waiting waiting for him. The lots are almost turned out in Rupp Arena. Uh, the only lots they have uh, on are the ones that they leave on. And uh, he's there signing stuff. But that It feels like, and I thought of this this morning, there's been a lot of kind of opinions around Kentucky basketball for the last few years, right? Whether you're a fan of Cal or you're not a fan of Cal or you're, you hate the one and done or you love the one and done. You had everything going on last year. It felt like there was this divide. The Big Blue Nation has always been great, but there was a divide, right? Like you could, you would run into people and I had people say, I'm never wearing Kentucky gear again, or I could care less about what time Kentucky plays. Well, I've seen a lot of people in the last few days come back and they've replied to either my stuff on Facebook or they I've seen stuff on threads and they're just talking about how this team has made them care again. And, and I know you have your fans that never stopped caring, but it kind of feels like this group led by Oscar has kind of healed things Yeah, for a lot of people. But, and, and it's been so easy to happen, right? Like the, probably the most, I, I never saw this team being this likable. And then you come out and it's, late December, early January, and they're starting to to do things and they're starting to get their stories told by us and by other people and people falling in love with them. They've fallen in love with Lance Ware's role. They've fallen in love with Damian Collins playing at Alabama. Uh, Ty Ty doing his thing. Xavier Wheeler, Oscar Sheboy. Kentucky 
BBN needed this team. And it's been a team that I feel like has got everybody back in together. And it's just really fun to see and, and witness right now. Yeah. I, I You sent me that message of that fan, what he posted on Facebook, where he was like, you know, I, I'd, I'm bought in this. This is what I needed to, uh, you know, feel for this team again. This is why I needed to to feel invested in this team. Uh, and he and, and he it's not even the winning, Jack. Yeah, it's not even the winning that's doing it. Like I, I think if this team had lost three or four more games, I think people would still love them the way that they love them because you can see how much they actually care out there. Not saying that other teams haven't cared. I think they've all cared. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that this team is kind of bought in. They bought into it earlier. They started peaking earlier. And just the way that these guys kind of talk about the fans and how they've embraced it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's – I heard uh, uh, on the – believe the post-game show or maybe the pre-game show, I can't remember, uh, but it was somebody that called in on on the KSR, uh, either post, post-game or pre-game show, and he said – uh, yeah, my son um, wants to say something, and he comes on the the air, and he says, "Yeah, my my new nickname is is Oscar Sheboy, or Oscar Sheboy Junior. I think is what they said." And, and they were like, well, "Really? Why?" And he was like, "Well, I got 16 rebounds in a game, and I and and I liked it." And it's like Oscar has made rebounding cool again. It's like they've done because it's a it's an it's a uh, an, an effort thing. It's an energy thing. It's a, uh, you know, it's a passion thing. And there's a lot of that. It made Xavier Wheeler has made passing fun again and being a playmaker. And it's not just about scoring 40 points a game. Kellen Grady has made just being a pure catch and shoot knockdown shooter fun again. Uh, you know, Ty Ty Washington with his gritty dance and the, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Shoot, Lance Ware has made just being an enforcer fun again. How cool is it that he comes in and he can airball the hell out of a free throw and everybody on the bench will laugh in his face and he'll go, eh, whatever. And people love him because he'll go in and somebody will or brush him on the back and he'll want to go up and fight you know, fight them in, in honor of his team. That's just what this team is. They have made all of the kind of uncool things cool again. It's not just about the high level dunks and the, uh, you know, be, being entertaining and all that stuff. It's not about the pace. It's not about uh, all the things that have made a typically like you look at that 2016, 17 team and how fun that team was. Well, yeah, but it was fun because Malik Monk would go off for 50 points uh, every once in a while, 30 points, 35 points, all that stuff. And, and it was a pace. De'Aaron Fox was uh, just lightning fast and he'd get up and down the floor so quickly and, they had the, uh, you know, crazy dunks and all that stuff. And, yeah, that was a fun team, and, and I love that team. Don't get me wrong. But this team is fun for all of the reasons that typically aren't aren't that way. It's because they do all of those little things that uh, that aren't the, you know, sexy way of, of, of doing it. It's You have uh, the enforcer roles, guys. You have guys that are just, you know, dominant catch-and-shoot threats. All of these little things that – uh, a lot of players aren't really comfortable doing roles that players aren't typically comfortable having, and they're they're not only taking them, but they're thriving in their specific role. And that's why a the chemistry is what it is, and b that's why the team is is as productive and cohesive as uh, as they are on the floor because uh, they just they just work well together. They've all bought into their roles, and that's what makes this team great. It's a it's it's just been an absolute pleasure to watch from from start to finish, Sean. 
it, it has been. And when you put those type of personalities in your locker room, veterans that, that came to Kentucky, I mean, we're talking about Kellen Grady, who was the guy at Davidson. Uh, Savier Wheeler was the guy at Georgia last year. You have a lot of guys on this program that were the guy in their programs. And I know that that happens all the time, but it's usually freshmen. But you've had, you've had dudes that were, you know, great players at other universities and they came to Kentucky for a common goal and they came together and it's been infectious throughout the locker room. You're seeing, you're seeing these guys be willing to do whatever it takes for the team to succeed. And then the love that they share for one another on social media after the game. Like how many times have we saw or, or seen Keon Brooks, Tata Washington, all these guys kind of tweet about Lance or tweet about Oscar or Oscar tweets about Lance or, or something. It, it's, they go straight to the locker room and they start praising each other. Like there's, there's no pats on the back for themselves. It's all about their teammates. And you saw it yesterday when Lance got pushed. Every single person from head coach to grad assistant to trainer to walk-ons, everyone was up ready to fight. It, it Were they going to run off the floor and do it? No, but they stood up and they let Lance know, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And what happened, Sean, just, oh, I don't know, three days ago now? What happened when uh, that Duke player, Wendell Moore, was in transition, dunked, and got undercut by that Clemson player? And there were two players that stood up and, and were ready to, to go for his back. And that was, that was, I mean, the dude almost broke his neck. And th- there's just a difference. And I'm not throwing shade at Duke and, and all that, but I'm just saying it, that just goes to show this team and how special this team is. Duke is still a very good team. And, and that doesn't determine whether a team is, is great or not. But it's little things like that where uh, a dude that just gets brushed on this Kentucky team and the whole team's ready to stand up and, and, you know, pull out their, their knives and pitchforks where a, a dude on Duke goes on a break, a breakaway dunk and gets undercut and almost breaks his neck. And they're like, eh, whatever. There's, there's just a, such a clear difference between this team and the rest of college basketball, not just Duke, but everywhere else. This is a team that fights for each other, fights for the, the program fights for their coaches. This is just, it's that type of team. Yeah, and, and thank goodness that he's okay after that play in the Duke game the other night. That was oh scary. God, yeah. it, it was scary to see in live. I'm, I'm glad that that there was an apology and, and everything there. But and and certainly you didn't want to see people come off the bench in that game. But the guys on the floor, it, they didn't step in. They didn't yeah. step in and, and say, you know, what the hell is that? You know, or or have any kind of reaction to it. And and that you like you said that that doesn't determine who's going to win the national championship. But I'll tell you this: you get in a five point game or a close game, and things get tough. You know that you're going to fight for your teammate when you know that they have your back. And I think that's the thing with this team right now: is everyone from one all the way down through thirteen or fourteen, all the way down to the walk-ons. There's no difference made. They all know that Oscar Sheboy has their back, and Oscar knows that they have his back. And that's that's a beautiful thing to have on, on this team and this roster. That, and in return, Big Blue Nation has their back. Did you see how uh, that fan base reacted yesterday after all that? They they were into that game after all those things started happening, and uh, after especially after Lance got pushed, I, I think that they added a few boos in there as well. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> four points, seven rebounds for Lance Ware, and I mean. 
I'd argue that he might be one of the biggest fan favorites on the team and, and his, the reaction that everybody had after what he did. And uh, I mean, just go down the list and, and, you know, we don't need to go through a, a play player by player thing of everybody that played well, because I mean, it was a 21 point win at home against a, a solid floor, not a good, not great Florida team. But uh, I mean, Xavier Wheeler played unbelievably well. He, he, not nine points, six assists and three rebounds on the surface. Nobody would think twice about those type of numbers, but you look at the, at the box score and the advanced numbers and he was a plus 30. I mean, a team high plus 30 in that one. Uh, you, you keep going down the list, Kellen Grady, 15, points he just completely sets the world on fire to open the game back to back to back threes to get things rolling Uh, I I mean Davion Mintz he hits a couple crazy threes that one you know it's kind of sidestep step back three that he had on that left wing that was unbelievable and that made the the roof of Rupp Arena come unglued there's just a lot of stuff that happened in this game that even with Ty Ty Washington going out I mean yeah he he hit a solid game 10.6 assists five rebounds didn't shoot all that great got off to a really cold start and then kind of heated up right before his injury. But Sean, the, the collective unit as a whole played very, very well. There wasn't, you know, I I don't think Keon Brooks played a great game and I think it was kind of a, a bit of a letdown after how well he had been playing. Um, but I still have a a ton of confidence in him long-term and what he can be uh, to close out the season. But I think outside of him, I think the rest of the team played great. I don't think there was a single guy outside of Keon that really had a poor performance Uh, And uh, that's just kind of what this team is. That's what we've talked about over and over again. Uh, You're not going to beat this team once. And I almost got burned earlier in the game. There was that, that crazy start and, and, you know, they go up 20 to four or five or whatever it was a phenomenal start. And I tweet, this team just has too many offensive pieces to lose. I, I, I just, I don't know how you beat this team. And then, of course, Florida goes on a run, and they cut it to one point again. Everybody's like, oh, look at you running your mouth. You're getting too overconfident. I I still feel that way. I just don't know how, even considering how everything unfolded, I don't know how you beat this team. I don't know. Uh, Even when you have a Keon Brooks go one for four with two points, uh, very underwhelming considering his season average. Everybody else played extremely well. And how do you stop – 27 points from Oscar Sheway. How do you stop 11 from Mintz, 15 from Grady, uh, 10 from Ty Ty, 9 from Savir? There's just there, there's too many pieces. If you have Lance Ware giving you four and seven in the you know short stint that he had as well, I mean, there's just way too many pieces on this team to uh, really. I just don't know where you look at this roster and go, ah, there's the glaring weakness uh, going down the home stretch. I just don't. No, and that's the thing about this team is, is Keon didn't have his best game, but Kentucky still wins by 21. I mean, how many times have we seen that this year? The games where Xavier Wheeler doesn't score a point and they, they still win. Uh, you go just on this week alone and you look at the runs they had at South Carolina. Like they, they had the hot start and then South Carolina comes back and then Kentucky goes on a big run and South Carolina tries to chip away and then here comes another run from Kentucky and then you look up and they win a game on the road by 10 and then they do that to Florida and win by 21 even after Ty Ty went down uh, a couple of things that stand out to me as we wrap up I know Keon Brooks didn't have his best game he had three turnovers in the first half but he played 12 minutes in the second half without turning it over he did finish with three steals so found a way to make an impact in, in those categories uh, how about Kentucky as a team five turnovers for the entire game. And I know Florida played played a lot of zone there. They had that token pressure trying to slow Kentucky down. Uh, but Xavier Wheeler got in foul trouble. You mentioned his plus-minus numbers. 
had no assists in the first half in, in those first six minutes. He had six assists, zero turnovers at the end of the game. Like he's a guy that if he's on the floor, Kentucky's better. And you're, you're seeing why they're better with him. He pushes the pace and the tempo. And Cal even mentioned that yesterday that Kellen and some others were telling him, hey, don't foul again. We need you on the floor. And, and just, he's just their starter. He's their energy guy. He pushes the pace, gets Kentucky running. The break that they had there early in the second half where they went box to box, where he fired it over to Tata, then Tata throws the lob to, to Shibway. Uh, that was fun to watch. That, that was all Sabir making a right read. I thought he played very, very well. And that, that was encouraging to see him kind of uh, put the ball in the basket a few times. You heard Cal talking about that he doesn't need to worry about scoring just do his thing and then he'll get a shot or two to fall. But this team, this team can beat you in a lot of ways and not everyone has to play well. I think that's what makes them so hard to beat when it gets into that tournament format. Yeah. I, and I would love it with Ty Ty out of, you know, in, in Tennessee, I would love if Xavier Wheeler used that as an opportunity to go for another 20 point game that he, you know, a, a North Carolina type game. I, I think it'd be a really cool thing for him uh, just for, for confidence reasons outside of, you know, I know he, didn't shoot too, too poorly and, and did a lot of really good things, especially as a playmaker. I mean, he was phenomenal, as you said. Uh, but I, I think it'd be really cool for him from a confidence perspective if he could go back down in, in Knoxville and really explode again and have a, a North Carolina-type game or you know something like that. I think it'd be really good for his confidence as well. As, as, uh, you know, this, it, it, as uh, Cal says, one man's uh, misery could be another man's opportunity. And I think this could be a good, good thing for – uh, Savier at the end of the day, I was going through as I, I were preparing to wrap up this show, I was going through some of the takeaway, uh, you know, as I'm kind of getting the formatting done to, to put this podcast post up on the website. Uh, and I was going through some of our takeaways that we had during the pregame show in Sean, a lot of the stuff that we said really came to fruition. And, uh, you know, we said a hot three point shooting team, as well as they've been shooting recently, got to slow them down held them to just five makes from deep. They shot 22.7% from three. Uh, Miriam Jones, who has been exploding recently, only knocked down two. That was a big win. Colin Castleton returned to the lineup, had to figure out a way to not let him win that battle with Oscar Shibwe. Uh Castleton still did his thing, but Oscar clearly won that battle. Um, and then one of the other key takeaways we had was the crowd will make a difference, Sean. And absolutely they did. Tip of the cap to Big Blue Nation and what they were able to do at Rupp Arena. I thought they were exceptional from start to finish. They were 97% full, 96% full leading up to the, you know, the, the anthem. And I, I think once the, the game got going, I don't know who's – it was a technically a complete sellout. But, Sean, you and I were both there. I thought the crowd was tremendous from start to finish, and I really think they made a, a massive, massive impact in this game. It wasn't the – typical Kentucky-Florida matchup that we're used to seeing in terms of skill on, on Florida side and, and talent on Florida side, but you wouldn't know the difference if you were watching that game just from an atmosphere perspective. I thought Kentucky fans were tremendous. They were. Uh, unbelievable atmosphere. That place was buzzing. The Kellen Grady shots, when he takes a shot at Rupp Arena that's a three, it is so loud before the ball even gets to the basket. Like You can feel the anticipation. And I think the dude is hitting it every time it leaves his hands. But you feel that energy in the crowd on a three-point attempt. Those are the best games at Rupp. When everybody yells three at the same time, or there's a collective like, just kind of goes over the crowd, and then 
boom, it goes through. And and you see that with Oscar's rebounds too. Every time he grabs a rebound, the crowd gets fired up. But really good crowd at Rupp Arena. They've got one more Saturday home game next week against Alabama. I expect that crowd to be really good as well. And then uh, obviously a big game there against LSU coming up too. So there's still some big games, but this has been a very good version of Rupp Arena in the SEC slate. It's just unfortunate that they've had very few Saturday home games because those are the best ones. Yeah, uh, just tip of the cap for that. It, it, yeah, you're right. It does suck that we don't get too, too many more uh, of those opportunities. But you know what? I know they're going to travel to Tampa. This is a unique opportunity for this fan base. Uh, it's not every year that, that we get the SEC tournament in Tampa. So there's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great atmosphere there. We're, re- we're really looking forward to it. And while I'm asking, if anybody has a, an extra spare ticket uh, lying around, I'm looking for one for my wife, and that would be tremendous. And I'll uh, just reach out to me via, via uh, email or DM, and we'll negotiate something. I just wanted to throw that in there because I just looked at some of the online ticket prices, and they're just absolutely outrageous. They're uh, clearly gouging uh, with with SEC play being so impressive and the teams being so good. They're clearly uh, making fans earn it. So if there's a, a hookup on there, by all means, uh, reach out. I would certainly love that. All right, let's uh, <laughs> go on and uh, close this thing out, Sean, with one final message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Kentucky players play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers, whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games. Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across sports as well. The Super Bowl is tonight. We are literally hours away i'm going to try to get this up as soon as possible if you are listening to this use that prize picks app or prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code pilgrim that's p-i-l-g-r-i-m to get an instant 100 bonus up to 100 on your first deposit don't forget that's the prize picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former kentucky stars to the next level go put in uh, your predictions on the Super Bowl, put in predictions on, on the upcoming Kentucky games. Awesome stuff there from Prize Picks. Big fans of them and obviously big fans of uh, Justice Dental as well. Very grateful for all they do for us. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff on both fronts. Sean, let's get the heck out of here and start preparing for the Super Bowl. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be uh, back, I believe, tomorrow for our pregame episode of the uh, talking about the the Tennessee matchup and all you need to know about the volunteers. Uh, Very excited about that. We'll be back then. We will see you then.